Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus, and today is part three of our Defending Young Earth Creation series. Last week, we finished with Doctrine 1, and now I'll move on to Doctrine 2, which is God directly created all creatures as fixed kinds. We begin in Genesis 1. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth. Waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. Two animals are said to be the same kind if they could have offspring or could bring forth. Notice that the bringing forth does not change one kind into another kind. It only creates more of the same kind. Bring forth a living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. Beasts of the earth after his kind, and and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. Genesis is clear on this, and we even have further support in 1 Corinthians, where Paul also alludes to the, the distinctness of the kinds. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. God did not create animals to change from one kind into another. They are fixed. Therefore, we can conclude that Doctrine 2 is plainly taught in the Bible. Now we move on to Doctrine 3. Adam and Eve are the parents of the human race. Notice how straightforward this is from Scripture, and the volume of verses that teach that Adam and Eve are the parents of the human race. We start in Genesis 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, For God said she hath appointed me another seed. This is the book of the generations of Adam, and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. So from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 5-4, it is clear that Adam and Eve are the parents of the human race. What do we see as we work through the rest of the Bible, much of the same. First, First Chronicles 1 1, the genealogy starts with Adam. Then you go to Luke 3 38, and Jesus' genealogy ends with Adam. And then we go to Matthew 19, Jesus is talking about marriage. He appeals to the marriage of Adam and Eve as the foundation of marriage. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. 
What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Then we move on to Paul's writings, and we see the distinction between men and women being drawn directly from the contrast between Adam and Eve. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Paul also draws a connection between Jesus and Adam. If there is no first Adam, then there is no last Adam. And so it is written, the first, Adam, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Obviously, you know, these, this contrast would not work if Adam was not a historical figure. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And we could go on. We could cite Romans 5.12 and 5.14 and other passages. To read the Bible as teaching anything other than that Adam and Eve are the parents of the human race is a denial of how God made language to function. There is no other intelligible way to read these verses. But that doesn't stop William Dembski. We're going to interact with Dembski's book, pretty famous book, The End of Christianity, in this session and in future sessions to illustrate the lengths to which old earthers will go to avoid the plain reading of a young earth. He writes, As humanity's uh, progenitors, Adam and Eve are usually taken to be a single male-female pair. This clearly is how the Bible portrays them. The theodicy developed in this book is certainly compatible with a literal Adam and Eve, but it does not require a literal Adam and Eve. What it does require is that a group of hominids, however many, had their loyalty to God fairly tested. They all failed. Your theodicy, Dembski, is not compatible with a literal Adam and Eve, if it is also compatible with the theory that God created a group of hominids. Why? Because the Bible does not allow for the teaching that God created a group of hominids as the parents of the human race. And since your theodicy is intended to be consistent with the Bible, then it must be inconsistent with the hominid theory. These two positions on Genesis are inconsistent with each other. They are contradictories, actually, of of each other. He writes, In the theodicy I am proposing, these hominids initially lacked the cognitive and moral capacities required to bear the image of God. Then, at the moment they entered the garden, they received God's image and became fully human. Is this anywhere close to what we read in Scripture? No. The opposite is taught from what is taught here. It is a telling critique of our times that positions like Dembski's are received so favorably. We have become willingly ignorant of God's word. Plain and simple. Van Til writes, The story of Adam in paradise is familiar. It is part of the orthodox view of things to regard this story as historical. But the true meaning of the fallen and the regenerate consciousness cannot be maintained unless back of both lies the history of Adam and his fall. It is only if we do take this narrative as historical that a sound theology can be maintained. Adam's sin was the willful transgression of man to the known revelation of God. If we deny the historicity of the Genesis narrative, we shall be compelled to reduce man's responsibility for sin so drastically that in reality nothing remains of it. And if nothing remains of it, then nothing remains of Christian theology. 
but this can only be the case that the Bible plainly teaches in historical Adam and Eve. We conclude then that Doctrine 3 is plainly taught in the Bible. Next week, we'll move on to Doctrine 4. For more content like this, you can find us on Twitter at underscore language games. See you next time.